Good morning. It's good to see you all. If you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus chapter 2. We'll begin uh, with a word of prayer and then we'll read the passage and talk about it some. Exodus chapter 2. Let us pray. Our Father, in Jesus' name we come. We give thanks to you because you are so good to us. Father, we're thankful for the simple things as we heard today, just the daily bread and daily clothing. And Father, we're thankful for this, your bread, your word. We thank you for Jesus and for what he has accomplished on our behalf. We thank you that he is with us always. Father, we're thankful that Jesus intercedes for us and prays for us. Father in heaven, we we pray that the time we spend around your word would be pleasing to you and glorifying to you, edifying to your people. Father, fill each of us with your spirit. Fill us with the mind of Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you please make your appeal through me to the hearts and minds of your people, that we would leave this place refreshed, longing to serve you because you have served us with eyes and hearts fixated on our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Acts chapter 2, begin reading in verse 1. Uh, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumium and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done with him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse? from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. As you know, we've been uh, going through the book of Exodus, and our theme is the name of the Lord, because through this book, God shows in the history of his people how he made himself known, how he made himself famous among the nations, even among the Egyptians and even among the, uh, the Israelites. And uh, as we look at this particular passage this morning, I want us to talk about the Lord's salvation as His uh, Redeemer steps in at this time. Uh, This week I was um, reminded by Michael Paler, he said, don't forget, 
that uh, Christ is our Redeemer. And so I said, it's a good word. I'm getting to that. I'm on my way. And um, so we were talking, reminded me of um, how Pharaoh is an agent of Satan and how he's working to destroy that firstborn son that, uh, that um, was promised to Eve who would come and finally strike the serpent down. And as I reflected on our conversation, I was reminded also of a passage uh, that's very um, clearly points to this. If you remember from last week how as soon as the baby boys were born, uh, they were to be killed uh, by the midwives who disobeyed that command, obviously. Um, and in Revelation chapter 12, we have this picture of a great dragon uh, approaching a woman. And that woman is seen as Israel, as a nation who is poised to give birth to uh, the Messiah. And in chapter 12 of Revelation in verse 4, it says that the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And so we see it's a good word to see how Pharaoh, and this is a theme that will be developed uh, further along in the book as well, but it's good to see this theme of uh, Pharaoh as an agent of Satan, and as Satan works behind the scenes in the life of Pharaoh, we see that God is working behind the scenes to deliver, where, where Satan is working behind the scenes to devour. And so we see in chapter 2 how this rescuer is born. And last week we spoke about how uh, this is very uh, parallel with the life of Christ, and how when he was about to be born, uh, and was born, Herod, a new pharaoh, uh, wanted to devour the Christ child. And of all places, Jesus had to run to Egypt for rescue. And he had to run from Jerusalem, of all places, from Bethlehem, the land of God, to come to a foreign land to find, to find relief and safety. And so here we find in the midst of Pharaoh's injunction to destroy the Hebrew boys. He had got the whole nation against the Hebrew children. If you recall the last verse of, of chapter 1, how Pharaoh made a command to all of his people to take all of the baby boys and throw them in the Nile. And so then, in the midst of all of this upheaval, this chaos, this uh, destruction of life, this devastation to the Hebrew people, we see God at work. And we see how it's presented here. It was a man from the house of Levi who went and took as his wife a Levite woman. And as the, the nation of Israel would read this, they would see the Levites as the very people who were going to go in between the nation and, and God. The Levites were the priests. And so they were the ones who, who were supposed to not only be the go-between, the mediators between God and man, but they were supposed to also pronounce the blessing of God. And this child that would come from this Levite home, notice the language that's given. The child was a fine child. Now it's not necessarily pointing to the fact that he could appear in a GQ magazine, uh, but the point that it's bringing out 
is the word used for find there is the word tov. It's the same word used in the creation account when God pronounces things to be good, when God pronounces things to be beautiful. And so we see in the birth of this child a, a, a reanimation, as it were, a, re, a recollection of creation, that God is bringing in a brand new creation through this child. Not only that, but we see that um, uh, when this child was, was hidden uh, for three months, and, um, and then when he, she, he, he could be hidden no longer, um, that's a word for our, our dear brother as he awaits the child at three months. He'll probably be quiet, but after that he may get very, very noisy. Um, when she could hide him no longer, she took and made for him uh, a basket of bulrushes. And, um, and we, can, we can reflect a lot on this passage and see uh, the goodness uh, that God was going to bring through this man Moses, uh, the goodness that he first brought at creation, he was going to bring it back in some kind of restorative way through this uh, man Moses. And um, I don't want to skip ahead so much, but I, I, I want to mention this, that in, in the creation account, as you recall, uh, ten times God says, um, God speaks. He speaks ten words to create. If you look back in creation, it says ten times, and God said. And, and Moses would be the one through on Mount Sinai, ten more words would come through him. We commonly see them as the Ten Commandments. And, and if, they, if they pattern their life after these words from God, they would experience the goodness and grace of God. Uh, but obviously they didn't, and then we look for the Word of God, Jesus Christ, who uh, brings in ultimately the goodness of God, the grace of a new creation. But we see that foreshadowed here in the life of Moses and how we should, um, we should remember that. Uh, the, but the thing that's also brought out here is that his, his mother was, uh, was quite an industrious woman. She was like the, the wise woman in the end of the book of Proverbs. And it says that she took and made from bulrushes papyrus rushes, reed plants, um, a little basket for, for, for Moses. And um, uh, the word used for basket here is used uh, 27 times in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, 26 times it is used with respect to the Ark of Noah. And the last time it's used is with respect to this little basket that we find Moses in. Uh, so uh, when you have your Bible trivia, it's not exactly wrong uh, when, when someone says Moses' ark, uh, because Moses had an ark too. That's the word. It was an ark. And uh, she, she dabbed it with bitumen and pitch, just like Noah did. She built her son an ark, and she placed him. The, the word there for placed is a word of, of maternal gentleness, softness, as, as in contrast to, to Pharaoh's take every Hebrew boy and throw him in the Nile. And so she placed her son. It's interesting how we can see her obeying the command of Pharaoh. She placed her own son in the Nile, in the same river where Pharaoh commanded all of the baby boys to go. 
but she gave her son a little shelter. Because God is saying through these, through these actions that, that in, in Moses there's going to come a, another salvation like that of Noah. Only not just eight people this time, but a whole nation will, will be delivered through this man, this man Moses. Um, and so you see the, the, uh, her placing this child among the reeds by the riverbank. Um, some of you may know that the, the Nile is um, riddled with crocodile. And um, I don't know about you, but I don't typically like to swim in the same river where crocodiles can be found. Um, they tend to have a voracious appetite and, um, and not to discriminate. Uh, they tend just to eat what is moving. So, so, but, but this woman with, with, with faith, as, as it says in the book of Hebrews, she, she worked by faith. She was trusting God. She was, she was not a, a woman who was senile. Jochebed, uh, why are you putting the child in the Nile? But, but the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that she was, she was operating on faith. She believed that God had given her this child for a special purpose. And in light of that, she, uh, whether she, I'm sure she knew about the story of Noah. Um, it was an oral tradition that, that people kept up with the stories, but but nevertheless, God is the one who is the author of Scripture, and He's reminding us of the life of Noah, and that when judgment comes, that there's a deliverance. When death comes to all of humanity, there is a God who can bring salvation, and, and He brings it to His nation here. And so we see also in the basket imagery here the humbleness of Moses' uh, coming. He came with humility. It says in the book of Numbers that above all the people in the world, Moses was the humblest man, the meekest man on the face of the earth. Now, I don't know exactly whether Moses wrote that. I'm sure he did. God said he did. Uh, he didn't get a, a, um, a um, person to say, I, I can't write that because it's a proud thing for me to write. You know, it's very proud to say I'm humble. You know? <laughs> but, but, but Moses was operating by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God moved him to write that he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. And that's a characteristic that we see in our Savior as well, that Jesus is meek and lowly in heart. He was born in a manger, also a dangerous place if, if cattle tend to be hungry. You don't place your baby where the cattle eat. But you see the same sort of thing happening with Jesus as you see here uh, with Moses. Um, and so... So more than even Moses, you see Christ came humbly, and, and just like Moses, um, Christ was one who was in danger, but Christ came to bring us back to God, just like the priests were to do. They are to bring us to God. That's what the Levites did. And not only that, but Christ gives us every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Uh, the Levites were supposed to pronounce that blessing, as I'm sure you're aware, in in Numbers chapter 6, um, the Lord bless you and keep you. You know that, 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 that benediction, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And it says, so shall they put my name, referring to Aaron and his sons, they shall put my name on the people of Israel. And so you see the blessing of God coming through the mediation of, of Moses, and you see even more of the blessing of God coming through the mediation of Christ, who brings us to God and brings us back 
uh, the blessing of God and brings us a brand new creation. Did you know, I'm sure you did, that if you're a believer today, you are a brand new creation. You've been newly created. Uh, Noah was like a second Adam. The same things that were said to Adam were said to him. We talked about that before, and, and you see the same thing happening here in the life of Moses. Uh, as believers in Jesus Christ, you and I are priests. We are part of the priesthood of believers. And we are called to bring people to God through Christ. Uh, we are called to seek the blessing of God in the life of others. To seek to see others experience the new creation of the living God. So we should pursue that. That's our application from this first point. That because God has given a son to preserve us, we must seek his new creation in the lives of others. Today there's only one ark, and it's the church of Jesus Christ. This is the place where God has placed his people in safety. And I don't know whether there is a um, a damage done to the text, whether we say that the Spirit of God is like the pitch that binds us together. Uh, But the point is that the Spirit of God does keep us together. And he does keep us in unity and fill us with the power of God. And the only thing that's different about the ark of, 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 of the new covenant, the church, is that the door still remains open. You know, God shut the door back in the days of Noah and nobody could get in. And it was too late and the people died. And there was no door in this particular ark of, of Moses, but there's a door in the, in the church and it's still open and that door has a name and the name is Jesus. And that through Christ we can enter uh, the safety of, of the net of the Lord, the ark of the Lord, and as we, as we travel in this world full of danger and full of disaster. And so, um, uh, because God has given a son to preserve us, we must seek his new creation in the lives of others. It's what Moses was poised to do. It's what we in Christ are called to do. Second, because God has given a son to plead for us, uh, we must seek to plead for others in trouble. Uh, we see this um, as, we, as we see Miriam, for example, as Jochebed and the mother of Moses uh, puts this child in, in the river. Um, his sister Miriam stands by to watch. The word stand, or, or the words his sister stood at a distance, is the same word that's used later on in the book of Exodus chapter 14 with respect to them crossing the Red Sea. And Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. And so Marion here is poised to stand to see what's going to happen with her little baby brother. She's standing there watching with bated breath at a distance what would become of him. And, uh, and then, then something strange happens. And you have to put yourself in the place of, of the first reader of this. That the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And Pharaoh had already given the command that every single baby boy you find, you're to throw in the river and drown them. And so the suspense builds as you find Pharaoh's daughter, the daughter of the king, coming down to the same river in which Moses was strategically placed by his mother. 
And a young woman walked by the river, and she saw, the Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket among the reeds, and sent a servant woman and took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And that's where the suspense builds. What, she's going to, what is she going to do with this child? What will she do with this little baby? I'm sure Marion was wondering what she would do. And behold, the baby was crying. Now that's significant. Because, because this is the only time in the Hebrew Bible where a baby is recorded as crying. There is no other place in the Hebrew Bible where a baby is recorded as crying. Every other instance is with respect to, to adults. The word used here, there are several words used for crying, but the word used here is, is formerly seen eight times in the life of Joseph. He cries when he, when he sees his, his brothers come. His heart warms up. He cries when he sees Benjamin. He cries when he, when he meets his father again. He cries when, he, when, he, when his father dies. He cries when his brothers come and ask for him to have mercy. And we see that same word used here with respect to Moses crying, even as a baby, he's foreshadowed as a priest who would cry on behalf of God's people. He would plead, and so often Israel would find salvation from God through the pleas of Moses. You may recall when they really fall on their face morally at the, at the, at the scene of Sinai, at the golden calf, and being idolaters, that Moses is the one who, who goes up the hill to cry on behalf of his people, to plead on their behalf, to intercede as, as their priest. He's the only one who was allowed up the mountain, up to the top of the mountain at least. So he went there, and we see that the baby cried, and, and, and Pharaoh's daughter, interestingly, someone once said that this, this, this section here could be called of the parable of the good Egyptian. Um, this Egyptian, the, the, the enemy of, of the people of God, she shows compassion, just like the good Samaritan of all people, to show compassion to a Jew. The priest didn't, the Levi didn't, but the Samaritan did. And, and, and we see this Pharaoh's daughter, the Egyptian, taking pity, showing compassion. Compassion is really the word that's used here. It's a word that's, that's later on used again and again by, by God Himself that God in His writing of the Scripture would, would give this word to this woman's action, a word that is usually reserved for Himself. And she showed compassion on this child. Pity tends to be more some kind of, I feel sorry for you, but never getting involved. But compassion has a sense of, I'm getting involved for the good of this particular person. Compassion is a resolve to be involved until the problem gets solved. Um, uh, but she takes compassion on this child, and she recognizes a Hebrews, one of the Hebrews' children. And then Miriam, like her mother, taking after her mother, very strategic, comes right, she, she comes on the scene, you know. <laughs> she comes on the scene, and she says to Pharaoh's daughter, at first she was at a distance, but somehow she is, she's moved up. You know, she's been following the basket down the, down the river, um, which takes a lot of faith to walk on a river with crocodiles, you know. Um, but she comes up to Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter, and she, she says, shall I find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child 
for you. And interestingly enough, that this woman comes who happens to have milk ready to go, you know. <laughs> she brings a mother of all people, you know. You can tell this is, I don't know whether Pharaoh's daughter could tell this was staged, but she went along for the ride, you know, um, because of the compassion that welled up within her. You know, Jesus is the one who, the same word, interesting enough, when you look at the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the one that Jesus mostly quoted from in the New Testament, uh, when he quoted from the Old Testament, uh, the one that's recorded in, in, the, in the New Testament, uh, the same word used for the baby crying is the same word used for Jesus when he cries over Jerusalem. He cries over the fate of his people because he sees impending judgment coming upon them for their rejection of the Messiah. And we'll talk later how Moses had to deal with that same sort of flavor from the Israelites as well. But we see in Jesus a, a, a Savior who, who ever lives to intercede for his people. That's the only reason we're going to make it to heaven is because Jesus has shed his blood and he keeps on praying for us uh, not to lose faith. That's the reason why Peter came back. Satan asked to sift Peter like wheat, to sift all the disciples like wheat. But Jesus says, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. That's the only reason Peter didn't hang himself like Judas is because Jesus prayed for Peter. Never says he prayed for Judas. But Jesus is interceding for his people. He ever lives to intercede for his people. He ever lives to long, like he says to, of Jerusalem, like a hen, I have longed to gather you, to synagogue you to myself. Uh, the same word used here is the word that uh, is alluded to when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. We must be people who weep with those who weep. It's the same word used there in Romans uh, with respect to the believer. We're called to weep with those who weep when we see people in trouble, uh, to sympathize with them, to show genuine compassion to those in trouble, just like Moses did, just like Jesus did, just like in him we are called to do. Because God has given a son to plead for us, we must seek to plead for others who we find in trouble. And third, because God has given us a son to protect us, we must seek to deliver others who are in need of protection. Where does this come from? It comes as we read, keep reading, we see that Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go to, to Miriam, go and call the child's mother and Pharaoh's daughter, said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. Again, I've said before a couple, three weeks ago, you know, how wonderful it would be for every single mom breastfeeding that somebody would be paying them uh, for that service. Um, I think it's something that you should use to uh, a scripture uh, that you can probably enlist for your, 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 um, your um, artillery that even a pagan knew that, that this was worthy of, of, a, of a more better response than talking back and, uh, and all of that. But the point is that this woman paid uh, for this woman to nurse the baby. Now, what's going on here? Um, paying your wages. Wages is a word that's used typically of someone who's working, has an employer. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. Uh, she named him Moses because 
She said, I drew him out of the water. You know, when Israel came out of, and this stuff is being foreshadowed here on purpose. If you read the Bible carefully, it's very artistic in the way God has designed the Word. And and what he's foreshadowing in this verse 9 is that there's coming a day when Israel is going to be drawn out of Egypt. And um, it's interesting how the Hebrew word used here is not the typical word for a, a passive sense where someone's drawing you out, but it's an active sense where the one who draws out. And Moses is, is almost uh, like, like, like Caiaphas in, in, in the days of Jesus. He, 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 he prophesied, not knowing what he said. He said, isn't it, isn't it beneficial for one to die for the nation? And the Bible says he didn't know what he was saying, but being high priest that year, he prophesied. And God, God, God has coined the word here, coined the phrase here from this, this, this woman, um, Pharaoh's daughter, that she actually says, the one who draws out, not the one I've drawn out. And um, this is the one that's going to draw his people out of bondage. And, he's there, and, and as the Bible says, they're not going to go empty-handed but they will plunder the Egyptians. All of the slavery that they, they had in the past, they're going to be paid for it. All the silver, all the gold, all the clothing, the Egyptians will be so in a hurry to get rid of these people. They'll just say, here, take it all. And, they, and God instructs His people, ask the Egyptians for your silver. Ask them for their gold. Ask them for their clothing. And when they did, the Egyptians just gave everything. And so... The Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. And we see that plundering foreshadowed here that a slave woman, a woman in slavery, would be paid by, the, by Pharaoh's daughter for nursing her own child. And, um, and we see again that, that term to draw out, that Moses would not only draw his people out of slavery, but he would draw them out of, out of waters. Um, out of the waters of the Red Sea when they get to that point between uh, the army and the deep blue sea, right? You've heard that before, that Moses, God would draw them out through his servant Moses. And you see this, uh, prophet, this recalled uh, by the prophet Isaiah in his book, Isaiah 63. Um, Isaiah chapter 63, verse 11 It says, Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea? It's that same same phrase that's used there, that's used here in Exodus chapter 2. The one who brings them out of the sea. And so, Moses is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. It's the only uh, one of two places in the Bible where, in the Old Testament that is, when adoption is brought out. Uh, It's brought out uh, in the life of Moses, and it's also brought out in the life of Esther. She was adopted, and both of these people God used to bring a great salvation. And the next person who is uh, portrayed in that light and, and, and um, uh, looked at in that manner is, is Jesus himself, who Joseph wasn't his, his father, he was his adoptive father, and he brings the greatest salvation of all. Uh, the Bible says that uh, the king's heart um, like the streams of water is in the hands of the Lord, and He turns it whichever way He chooses. And we see how God turned this lady's heart to compassion 
over his servant Moses, who would draw his people out. Uh, The Lord has formed us as well in Christ Jesus uh, to draw people out of deep waters. We can't do it. We're just human beings. Uh, but, But we are able by the power of God's Spirit and by the power of the proclamation of the Gospel to see people drawn out of deep waters where they've drowned, where they're dead in their transgressions and sins. Because God has given a Son to protect us We must be those who seek to deliver and protect others in their time of need. In this passage, we see in the life of how how Moses portrays Noah, we see the prophetic ministry that God has called us to. In, In Moses' pleading, we see the priestly ministry that God has called us to. And we see in this drawing out the kingly ministry that God has called each of us to. And it's only in Jesus Christ, the True, true deliverer and redeemer, that we are able to work in a way in partnership with Jesus Christ as He aims to bring in the new creation, as He aims to, to cry out on behalf of those in trouble, and as He aims to exercise His reign with respect to protecting and delivering those who are in need. So let's, let's ask God to uh, bless this word to our hearts and then we can confess together corporately uh, our sins and ask God to work in us to this end. Uh, Let us pray. Our Father, in Christ's name, we thank you for for Jesus, who is the the great prophet, the great high priest, the great deliverer, the great king. And we thank you for how, even in this, this short section of your word, we see all of that imagery being foreshadowed. As, as, as Moses wrote by your Spirit, as Israel read and as we now read, and see how you, in very great artistic fashion, work sovereignly and powerfully in the lives of, of us, Lord. We, we pray that you would do that. You work through Moses' mother. You work through his sister. You work through the likes of Pharaoh's daughter, showing that No one is beyond the scope of your usefulness. God, would you work in our lives to that end that we would be instrumental in the life of your people and in the life of people who don't even know you. Work in us wherever we set our foot to be prophetic, to be priestly, mediatorial, and to be kingly under Christ and to be used by him and useful to him. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's confess 